Welcome to Locked On St. Louis Cardinals, your regular podcast covering all things Cardinals baseball. Brought to you most days from Bush Stadium, brought to you today from my house. My name is Jeff Jones. I'll be your host for the uh, this morning's podcast here, recording on Friday, June 15th, as the Chicago Cubs head into town this evening for uh, a three-game weekend set with the Cardinals that I, th- I think has the... Uh, has the potential to, to to really show a lot about where this Cardinals team is uh, and, and where they could go here over the next few weeks of the season. The Cardinals coming off a stretch of nine games where they played the three last place teams in the National League, uh, having having played the Miami Marlins, the Cincinnati Reds, and then finally the San Diego Padres, going four and five over that stretch. They took two from the Reds, one each from the Marlins and Padres, and and then suddenly uh, find themselves. In the spot where they're four back of the Brewers in the division, a game and a half behind the Cubs, and 36 and 30 on the season. They are eight games over 500 against the Reds, two games under 500 against the entire rest of the league. And so, uh, you know, I know we've talked in this podcast a lot before about the success that a team can have as long as they beat up on the bad teams and they break even against the good teams. That's, that, that's a perfectly uh, valid way to make sure that your team has a strong run of success in the regular season that guides them into the playoffs. The problem the Cardinals are having is, again, the aforementioned stretch here where, especially against the Padres, uh, the Cardinals just didn't deliver. In fact, the two games they lost uh, were to a bullpen start by the Padres and then a start by Eric Lauer, who came into the game with an ERA over 6 and a half, and the Cardinals simply could not break through against either the Padres bullpen, which is very rough in the early innings, or against a guy like Lauer, who hasn't had success at all so far this season. And so if if you're the Cardinals and you're fairly evaluating that stretch, I think it's reasonable to be concerned uh, with where things are at. And and, and, and to me, personally, in watching these three three games against the Padres at Busch Stadium, what struck me was that there was just a distinct lack of energy around the club. It's... It's hard really to pinpoint what drives the team on a day-to-day basis, right? I, they're pro athletes. They shouldn't need motivation. But when you're at the park every day and you're going through the grind of the season and it's hot and you're into these middle parts, these middle months, uh, it, it's understandable that it might take a little extra oomph and a little extra push once in a while to fully and successfully motivate a team to, to be able to drive themselves to success. And for me, watching this Cardinals team, uh, it was really a struggle to see them not be able to find that energy. I yesterday was listening to uh, an episode of the Cat Chat podcast that the great Jim Hayes of Fox Sports Midwest uh, hosts, and he had Mark Saxon from The Athletic and Ben Fredrickson from The Post dispatch on and as guests on his podcast and they were talking about uh the ways in which and and, and, and ben fred in particular brought up the uh, the idea that energy can sometimes be a a synonym for lack of effort which i thought was an interesting perspective because when i asked both mike Matheny and marcelo zuna about the energy around the club uh the inclination or the my my, my point there was not to ask about effort i'm not one who believes that the team isn't trying on a day-to-day basis rather in asking that question what i meant was that there seemed to be 
a general kind of malaise that despite the best efforts and despite guys playing hard, sat sort of like a wet blanket over the team. Now, maybe that wet blanket is the result of the team not hitting it, and so it's easy to identify uh, what would otherwise be called energy as, as something that just happens when the team is not hitting the ball. Uh, but I also thought that there were some opportunities for the team to really spark up and, and, and have someone push them and in kind of an unexpected way. I, I, I was... I was talking to some fellow writers about this in the press box, and actually uh, yesterday evening was at an event as well with some ball writers and, and was having a conversation uh, about what Mike Matheny himself can do to sort of bring that energy out. And, you know, it, it's important to remember that Matheny is not a guy who stamps and screams and yells. He's not a guy who curses even. Certainly I've read an umpire. I've never heard him curse in private. Uh, that's just it's not part of the man's life. And he's also a guy who... He's on the rules committee for managers, and he respects the umpires, and he wants to develop these consistent relationships. I say all of that by way of saying that Mike Matheny is not a guy who traditionally will head out and make a spectacle of getting himself tossed uh, in order to to in order to establish himself as some sort of flashpoint for his team. But there was a point in the game uh, against the Padres on. Wednesday evening, or the point, uh, and a bat for Jose Martinez in the eighth inning, where Martinez uh, disagreed with a called strike and kind of stepped back and had a conversation with the umpire about it, and it was a short conversation. But to me, uh, that struck as a moment where maybe it would be time for Matheny to come flying out of the dugout and 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 really get into a yelling match, you know, calm language though it may be, but just to express that kind of energy and and fake it till you make it, right? I, you know, I've I've had the argument posed to me that uh, the umpires wouldn't be appreciative of that kind of action. To me, it seems like if, if it's so transparently play-acting that the umpires might just roll their eyes and go along with it. It was also brought to me that he would likely face a, a relatively stiff fine for coming out of the dugout to argue balls and strikes. If that's the case, then that's an obviously an entire other sort of layer to that uh, that I hadn't considered. But that seemed to me to be a place where the manager could do something tangible to really rally his team and bring that kind of spark back to the ballpark. Because outside of that, the best thing that I can come up with is having Michael Waka, you know, throw a fastball at Chris Bryant's backside this evening. And I don't think that that's the sort of thing that really creates the atmosphere that the Cardinals want, right? That, that's, that, that's, you run the risk of losing a pitcher at that point. You run the risk of, of escalating into uh, a, a, a dramatic situation. And again, as someone pointed out to me, if a ball comes in on Bryant, you know one is coming in on Marcelo Ozuna. And given that Ozuna is hitting so well lately and finally starting to get into a groove, that's not a risk that the Cardinals should be willing to take. But uh, if you're not going to start a beanball war, and you shouldn't, but you're coming into this big weekend series now with a day off against your biggest... Your your biggest emotional rivals, at least, uh, the team has to be able to find that energy somewhere because it's going to be stifling hot at the ballpark this weekend. Again, they're going to be facing two left-handed starters from the Cubs. And so somewhere, somehow, the team is going to have to find that spark that brings some, some freshness and some excitement and some enthusiasm that, to me, feels like has been missing from the ballpark.
So as I mentioned a few times there, the Cubs in town to face the Cardinals this weekend. And as you look at the, the pitching matchups, it's it's going to be a lot of best on best over the weekend. You have John Lester and Michael Waka in the game this evening. Uh, for tomorrow night's game, you have Kyle Hendricks and Carlos Martinez. And then on Sunday, it's Jose Quintana and Jack Flaherty. And then so uh, the Cardinals obviously aligning their rotation. Maybe you'd say you'd rather have Michaelis there uh, instead of Flaherty. But the Cardinals in large part aligning their rotation to get some of their best and most dangerous pitchers into this series and it's going to be a it'll be an interesting throwdown when you look at the way that these matchups play out the uh the struggle for the cardinals is going to be facing two left-handed starters especially to the quality of of lester and quintana here over the weekend uh that challenge got a little stiffer uh, it was announced on wednesday that jose martinez would travel to and has at this point traveled to uh venezuela to meet up with his girlfriend for the birth of his second child. And so he was thrilled about that, and everyone was thrilled for him. Uh, But the consequence of that is that Martinez will miss this entire weekend series against the Cubs. And so Luke Voigt will be recalled at some point today to take Martinez's spot uh, on the roster as Martinez heads off to the paternity list. Now, uh, when you look at the way that that changes this Cardinals team, it, it, it it does a couple of things. Number one, it's fair to expect, I think, Luke Voigt to start twice this weekend. We will probably see Voigt in the lineup uh, today against Leicester and probably on Sunday as well against Quintana because the Cardinals don't really have enough right-handed bats otherwise to to put a full lineup together uh, against those tough lefties. I can't imagine the Cardinals are going to be eager to see Colton Wong play in either of those games. Maybe you would get Wong into one of them, but I, I, I doubt it. And so you would probably have an alignment uh, that involves Voigt at first, Jairo Munoz at short, and then Carpenter and Jerko at whatever spots between second and third that the team uh, deems that they're uh, they're best suited for. And, and, and so with that in mind, you know, it's a big jump for Luke Voigt, who when he was sent back down, there were some questions asked. He's been an effective pinch hitter off the bench. And does the team really, you know, are they really in a spot where taking a right-handed bat off the roster is a thing that they can sustain? And in part, those are reasonable questions, but it's also, you know, we should probably pump the brakes a little bit talking about Luke Voigt. In terms of being an effective bat off the bench, he does have five plate appearances this season. He's two for four. One of those two was a pinch hit home run. Uh, that's a big deal because the Cardinals don't have one otherwise so far this season. And so, yeah, sure, he's had some success there. And last year, again, had some success off the bench. Hit 246 last season, over 124 plate appearances. So very much in part-time duty, Voigt has demonstrated the ability to be a type of threat. It's just that with the construction of the roster right now, uh, the Cardinals find themselves in a difficult spot to hang on to Luke Voigt, especially when you consider dealing with uh, having guys in the bullpen who may not be super effective and wanting to make sure you have that additional backup wherever possible. Now, uh, that bullpen makeup is likely to change today. The expectation has been for most of this week that Matt Bowman would be returning from his DL stint with blisters probably today. Uh, If Bowman returns today as expected, then you're going to see someone sent back down. My my guess would be uh, that someone is going to end up being Daniel Ponce de Leon. You know, it, it, it was a big story earlier this week when Ponce de Leon was recalled. Obviously, last year had the dramatic situation where a line drive struck him in the head and he recovered. You know, he, it was it was a life threatening kind of situation. I had to call him about this on LockedOnSTLCardinals.com that you should be sure to check out. But 
uh, for Ponce de Leon to make it to the majors is a big step. He was excited. His entire family came in to, to watch some Cardinals games throughout the week. But there's a decent chance now, it appears, that Ponce de Leon will be sent back to Memphis without appearing in a game. That's a that's that's a hard thing for a pitcher, and it's the second time the Cardinals have done that. So, if, again, if it happens, I should say, would be the second time the Cardinals have done that so far this season. I joked about it being referred to as Gomber Pox uh, earlier in the week. And, 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 you know, it's it's I understand it's a difficult spot because Bowman is a guy who Matheny has trusted over the years and who has gotten them out of some difficult spots and who has performed well over his career. But when you look at the right side of the bullpen, and I, I thought it was notable that in that Thursday game, or excuse me, the Wednesday game against the Padres, uh, the Padres were entirely shut down by a series of relievers who have all spent substantial time in Memphis this year. It was Gomber, then Mike Myers, and then John Brebbia. Those guys pitched a fantastic game on Wednesday evening, and Myers and Brebbia in particular, in combination with what you've gotten out of Sam Tuivalala this year, have represented some of the more consistent right-side options from the Cardinals' bullpen. And in fact, if you look at the Cardinals' pen in a sort of more traditional you know, uh, in alignment with five right-handers, and you look down the list from Norris to Hicks to Tuivalala to Brebbia to Myers, that's a pretty strong complement of performances they have gotten from specifically those guys. And so uh, from a more traditional bullpen composition standpoint, the Cardinals are in okay shape. Now you've seen uh, the rough spots and the injuries with guys like Gregerson and Holland, and you have seen uh, uh, Matt Bowman struggled early in the season to perform and then went on the D. So maybe if his fingers are fully healed up, he'll be in a position to more to more forcefully contribute. But when you think about the bullpen struggles the Cardinals have had so far this season, I think the areas to focus are number one, uh, the left side where Brett Cecil and Tyler Lyons have been in pretty rough shape. Lyons with a sprained elbow now, uh, no timetable yet given for his return, and, and Cecil clearly a guy at this point who they don't trust in games and in, in, in spots with any sort of consequence. But the right side of the bullpen has been fairly strong. And, and so I do think that squeezing a guy like Bowman onto the roster at the expense uh, of, of the bat of Luke Voigt eventually, or to, you know, today for the expense of Ponce de Leon, I understand why the Cardinals are doing it, but it's, it's getting to the point with some of these guys where it's getting hard to justify keeping a guy like Mike Myers in AAA or not having John Brebbia here. Myers is a different kind of situation, but Brebbia had a strong year last year and he's had a strong year so far this year. And so uh, the Cardinals are, I think, shockingly in fairly good shape from the right side of the bullpen. It's just managing the other side and figuring out how to hold that bullpen in place while at the same time making sure you have the kind of offensive contributions you need uh, that, that really provide this team with the boost that has so far been lacking this season. So as we sit here today on June 15th, we're pretty much dead on six weeks ahead of the non-waiver trade deadline on July 31st. And obviously Manny Machado is the name that's going to get a lot of the attention here in St. Louis, a lot of the attention nationally, and a player that the Orioles ostensibly have to move here uh, before before they get to the trade deadline. Now, I say ostensibly have to move because as we know, Peter Angelos has long been a guy who very much marches to the beat of his own drum, uh, has, has long been a guy 
who's sort of hard to predict. And so it's not crazy or not or not difficult, I should say, for me to imagine a scenario where Angelos does the unexpected thing and somehow, for some reason, decides to hang on to Manny Machado. But uh, even even if we we, accept, we accept the assumption that Machado is the guy who's going to get moved, to me, if you're the Cardinals, the Orioles do have a piece that makes a lot of sense to pursue that probably doesn't cost the same level of, of talent that a Machado would cost, but instead uh, can can stabilize the spot on your roster that's the most easily fixed. Because, yes, they do need some sort of boost from the offense, but increasingly I'm of the belief that that boost is going to have to come internally because you're getting the performance from your depth guys uh, that you probably need to get, and I don't know that you're going to be able to make real substantial changes to your everyday starting players uh, in the middle of the season. and so. With that being said, it's the left side of the bullpen that really has the biggest concerns. Brett C, you know, we, we talked about this just, just a bit ago, the struggles of the Cecil uh, and Lions and, and, and Austin Gomber being a guy who has performed well so far, but maybe won't end up being the most reliable player that the Cardinals will have here throughout the course of the season. And so for me, if you're looking at guys who would be available from the Baltimore Orioles and who could really impact this team, then Zach Britton is the guy, right? I, it, it seems to me that bringing in that kind of power left-handed arm who can just absolutely neutralize left-handed batters, which is a big deal in this division when you're talking about a Cubs team uh, that's going to throw Rizzo and Schwarber out there, or you're talking about the Brewers that have that have Yelich and Eric Thames, uh, being able to utilize a guy like Britton against those hitters would be a huge, huge boost for the Cardinals. Because right now, and, and I'm sure this weekend, you're going to see Austin Gomber getting those tough assignments against Rizzo and Schwarber. And, and maybe it works out, but it doesn't put the Cardinals in the best position to win. Whereas uh, a move for a guy like Britton could have that effect. And of course, you know, the other upside of a guy like Zach Britton is, is that he has the familiarity. Uh, he's been a, been a closer in Major League Baseball. And, and so... If Bud Norris gets to a point where he sort of comes back to earth uh, more so than he has here over the last couple of weeks, then Britain represents an alternative that can handle the end of the game as well, or at least can sort of you know can, can partner with Hicks to create a kind of two-headed monster at the back end of games, which might go a long way uh, toward making the games shorter. And you know we we all know that once you get to the playoffs. Shortening the games has to be the goal, and and so if you can make those games shorter earlier in the regular season for a Cardinals team that struggles to hit, it's sort of it would be going back to the to this, this sort of time-tested strategy they've had, where if they accept that the offense isn't going to be successful at run creation, then their focus has to be on run prevention, and so. Zach Britton could potentially go a long way towards providing that run prevention and, 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 and toward putting the Cardinals in a better situation that 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 would more that would that would better allow them, I guess, to to to, to be in a spot where they can really, truly make those games shorter. Now, Britain's not the only name that would make sense in that kind of context. Uh, Brad Hand, for example, who we saw here this last week with the Padres, though Hand is, has has signed for a, has a contract for a number of years after this one, so maybe he would be a more difficult player to acquire. But there are devastating left-handed options and, and, and relievers who will be on the market uh, that the Cardinals could really use. And when you look at the, the the track record of this Cardinals management team, 
it's it's clear to me that you know the impact bat, whether it's during the season or during the off season, is not a deal in which they're super comfortable uh, pursuing some sort of some sort of big upgrade. The Mar- the Marcelo's doing the deal, sort of notwithstanding, but instead adding these bullpen pieces uh, that can be impact pitchers, but 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 may not at the time have the kind of like big sexy glow about them that trading for Manny Machado would have. Those are moves that the Cardinals, to me, are more comfortable with and more familiar with and and far more likely to pursue. In fact, last year was the first year in, I believe, four years where John Moselock did not add a reliever at the deadline. And, you know, when you look at the last time this team won a World Series in 2011 – it was clear they identified at the deadline uh, the problems in their bullpen, and then and the Colby Rasmus deal, a trade where you were essentially giving up on what was at one point your most hyped offensive prospect. A large part of that was designed around revitalizing that bullpen and going out to get a guy to get Mark Zepchinski as part of that trade, and. Uh, the Cardinals on that day, as part of that Rasmus deal, swapped out both left-handed relievers they had in their bullpen. They they dumped Brian Talbot, and they dumped Trevor Miller. They got Zebchinski, and they went out into a, into a separate deal and got Arthur Rhodes and put themselves into a position where they had that shutdown left-handed arm that could really give them that last line of defense they needed out of the bullpen. And lo and behold, uh, when you get to that series against the Brewers, for example, Tony La Russa aggressively utilized that bullpen to neutralize those hitters. And so uh, this Cardinals team, I think, would be in, in well first, or would, would, would be well suited, I guess, to follow that model, pursue those kinds of players instead of the deadline, and see if that doesn't offer them the boost they need to remain competitive in this division race uh, as, as the season starts to wind down. Down at the end of August and into September. That's going to wrap up today's Locked On St. Louis Cardinals. Make sure you stick around throughout the weekend. Uh, should be some columns up this weekend. Have a, have a pretty fun idea for a piece I want to write that might be up this afternoon here from Bush Stadium, as well as uh, as more podcasting action, I'm sure, coming your direction. So as always, thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes. Uh, make sure that you subscribe on Spotify if that's more your jam. Wherever you want to find us, you can find us and we will be at the park. We'll be here. We'll be all over the uh, all over the Cardinals here throughout the summer as they get into this tough race and a tough series against the Cubs here on Locked On St. Louis Cardinals.